0: Welcome to the Gateway Baptist podcast. This is a message from our series on the life of Joseph. Today, we follow the story in Genesis 37 and ask how we can have trust and faith in God no matter what our trials are.
1: Good morning, church. It's good to be here with all of you this morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Eleanor. I'm the missions pastor here at Gateway, and a big part of my role is I have the privilege uh, of working alongside of our Gateway Beyond workers, both here locally and globally. As you would probably be aware, we have 35 workers here in Australia and around the world doing amazing work. You can imagine these last few years has been uh, quite challenging, quite complicated for for each of them to navigate things like border closures and, and various COVID restrictions. Some of them have had to end up working in remote locations separate from their ministry. And some of them have also been through significant personal challenges in these days. I love our heart as a church. I've been with Gateway for many, many years. I love Gateway's heart to partner together with God in fulfilling the Great Commission, in seeing disciples become fully devoted followers of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. And we recently celebrated the Beacon of Hope Christmas campaign, where we gave generously and saw land purchased in Myanmar, where two of our long-term missionaries, Rob and Liz Lumpkus, have been working for the past 20 years, reaching out to the people in that part of the world. And many of you would be aware and uh, be upholding Rob in your prayers. As you would know, Rob has recently been diagnosed uh, with cancer and has undergone Just in the past week, uh, quite a significant surgery around all of that. And so uh, as a church family, we've been in regular contact with them. We've been upholding them in prayer and uh, staying abreast of what's going on. Rob has since that surgery returned back home and is now starting a a lengthy recovery and rehabilitation uh, time after that surgery. And I know from talking to Rob and Liz, they value your prayers. They value your support as a church family. They value your generosity. And I know many of you have been doing that personally. You've been praying for them. You've been giving to them and caring for them in practical ways. And so I want to thank you on behalf of Gateway just for continuing to uphold them in your prayers At this time, but would you join me as we pray for for Rob and for Liz and for some of our Gateway Beyond workers? Father, this morning we lift up Rob to you. You are the God who knows Rob. You see what's happening in his body. We thank you for this surgery. We thank you that you have been with him and sustaining him throughout this time. Father, we ask that you would continue to bring healing into his body. Father, we pray for Liz and and Sam and Amy, for the entire family, as they continue to look to you, to trust you for provision as they go forward in the coming months and, and possibly year to come. Father, we pray strengthen them. Be their rock, be their foundation. And, Father, we continue to lift up our various gateway beyond workers. We think of Neil and Gwen as they're currently in, um, in the Congo, in Goma, where there's been ongoing conflict. Father, we pray, would you keep them safe? Father, where they've been suffering from, from head calls, we pray healing in Jesus' name. Father, we lift up Ryan and Anna who are right now looking to return back to Australia after many years of serving so faithfully in Kenya. Father, we pray go before them and behind them. We think of Andrew and Anne who have recently returned from from Yokom Yokom Hospital in Kikam, Uganda. Father, we pray that they would trust you as they're so far away now that they've returned with the hospital and the ongoing needs and health care that's happening. Father, we list, lift up Elsbeth, who on Friday returned to South Asia to work with the Bible translation project going on there. Father, we pray, would you give her wisdom? And, Lord, we think of our Power to Change guys who are right now preparing to lead our various teams for the Schoolies Week on the Gold Coast. Father, we pray, pour out your grace, pour out your wisdom and stamina. And, Father, we think of Melody who's preparing to lead a team into the Middle East to work with Syrian refugees. Would you give her all the wisdom that is needed to lead that team? And we think also of Janine, who is leading uh, teams of nationals in the Middle East. We pray, would you provide all that is needed in leadership? And Father, for Dave and Jenny, as they prepare to return to Japan and the teams that are working there. Lord, there's so many Gateway Beyond workers that are doing amazing things that are part of our family. We lift them all up to you. Father, we pray strengthen each and every one of them. Father, may they know that you go before them and behind them. Father, would you provide as only you can. We thank you that we get to partner with them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I feel like I went around the world then. But that's where all our Gateway Beyond workers are, both here in Australia and around the world. And it is such a privilege to, to walk alongside of them and to, to just partner in all that God's doing around the world. Well, this morning, we want to continue on with our series on Joseph. And as you would know, as we've been following this story, if we were to pick a, a main theme that we see woven throughout the story of Joseph, it would be Paul's encouragement, I believe, that he wrote to the church in Romans 8.28, that God works together for good in all circumstances. And we see that throughout the story of Joseph, throughout his life. We see, while it while not explicitly stated, you don't see these big grandiose statements about God at work, but we see God's fingerprint, his providential and sovereign purposes being carried out throughout Joseph's life, throughout all the things that he goes through. And we've been seeing in the past weeks and today, we'll see that he goes through significant trials and significant tribulations and difficulties, and yet we see that God uses these things to not only refine Joseph, to build into into him character and skills that he needs to, to, to lead a nation, but we see that God builds into him a steadfastness, a determination, a faith that is solid to sustain him in his leadership role to eventually save an entire nation. The story of Joseph is a story where good wins in the end. It's a happily ever after story, and I like happily ever after stories. If I watch a movie... And it ends where there's no happily ever after and the credits are rolling. I sit there and I feel ripped off. I'm like, what? I just spent two hours of my life watching something that feels like real life? Well, that kind of sucks. I like the happily ever after ending. I think there's something in all of us when we see a happily ever after ending in a movie, we somehow have faith stirred within us. We somehow believe that, you know, no matter what, the obstacles are, no matter what the challenges is, good prevails in the end. There's something in us Aussies that we like, you know, the underdog to rise up and to triumph over the evil that it faces. If it was a movie, it would be one of those. If I was a director of a movie, it would be ending with you know the the pan shot of of Joseph hugging his father and his brothers and them kissing and laughing and in the background would this be would be this rising song? There must be miracles when you believe, you know, when you feel the faith rise in your heart that good triumphed over evil and. And with God, all things are possible. (laughs) I always say, every time I get up on this stage, I like to sing a little bit, hoping that I get, you know, Australia's got talent and I get spotted somehow. (laughs) It's just not working. I don't know why. But, you know, I believe with God, all things are possible. No doubt. He is a God of the miraculous. And there are miracles with God But I don't know, I've often found at the times when I'm walking through trials and tribulations and difficulties in my life, it's at those times I don't feel like singing There Must Be Miracles. Instead I feel like, you know, all by myself, don't want to be all by myself. You know, thank you, thank you. Like, somehow, I don't know, I feel so dismally small. I feel like, if anything, God feels so far away at those moments. And it reminds me of that footprint poster. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's this poster of a man that has a dream. And in the dream, he's walking along the beach with the Lord And he looks back along the beach and he sees two sets of footprints his footprints and the Lord's footprints. But then he notices at certain times there's only one set of footprints. And those times were the times that were the the most challenging, the times that were the hardest, the times when he was facing his greatest trials. And the man turns to the Lord and he says, Lord, in those times that were the darkest, why is there only one set of footprints? And the Lord turns to the man and he says, I love you. It was at those times I carried you. Now, a lot of us are familiar with that poster, but I don't know, my life kind of reflects more a cartoon. I saw a spinoff of that poster. And this cartoon it's the same thing the man walking along the beach two sets of footprints and yet at the darkest troublingest times of his life are the two set of footprints and these two grooves in the sand and the man turns to the lord and he says lord at those times it was the hardest that were the most difficult in my life. I only see one set of footprints and those two marks in the sand. What what is that? And the Lord turned to him and said, I love you. It was at those times I was dragging you. And that's kind of how I feel. So often I feel like I'm being dragged that there's there's no end in sight I know that God is with me I know that He's got hold of me but there are so many times where I feel like I'm being dragged through sometimes what feels like mud in the midst of trials and tribulations and I'm kicking and screaming and saying God why why is is an author, and I like how he writes when he goes through tough times. He says, at times, the only reason I can think of to believe the gospel is to avoid hell. But sometimes I feel I'm already there. Just what is God doing? I cry out to God, but there is no answer. You know, Larry, that's quite a shocking statement. But to me, he captures the essence of what I so often feel in the midst of trials and tribulations and hardships and challenges of life. I feel so small. I often feel so alone. God, where are you? I don't know how this is going to end. But when I look at Joseph... I don't see Joseph struggling the way I do. I don't see Joseph questioning, where is God in the midst of what I'm walking through? And that's what I want to unpack today. What is the secret to Joseph seemingly walking with a steadfast determination, with his eyes focused on the Lord? How, did, how does he do that? How do you do that? And Father, this morning, I pray for each of us that Holy Spirit, you would open our eyes to the truth of who you are, to your nature and character. Father, I pray this morning, would you encourage. Father, would you speak words of truth where perhaps we, we feel so weak? We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, hindsight is a wonderful thing. We always, you know, when we get to the end and we look back and we go, oh, now I see why I didn't get that job, it's because a better one came along. We can look back and and then we can rationalize all that we went through. And we love to, you know, at those times, Jeremiah 29, 11, we love to quote it, for I know the plans I have for you. What is it? Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And, you know, we love to quote that when we can look back and see how that trial or that tribulation ended. We see the the good thing that happened at the end. You know, I've been taking, uh, for many, many years, I took outreach teams to India full of young people, and we would often go in for about 10 to 12 weeks. So around three months of ministry in India. And I saw the same pattern Again and again, when I took these young teams into India, the first week, the first days, the team would be so full of faith. I love India. I love the food. I love the smells. I love the team. I love the leader. I love this place. And then let's fast forward one, two weeks later as a reality of what we're doing sinks in. It begins like this. God, I made a mistake. Why am
2: I here? I hate this team. I hate
1: this leader. Why have I come here? It's a mistake. And that's just me praying that. But it's, you know, I see us When we are in these trials and tribulations, when we can't see the end in sight, when the end seems so far away that we think, I can't possibly see how I'm going to make it. And we we try and, you know, hold on, help is on its way. I'll be there as fast as I can. It's like, come on, God, get a move on. I'm holding on, but I'm barely hanging on. It's like when it, we know it's going to pass, we can put up with it. But when we can't see, it, it feels like it goes for all eternity. And, you know, I don't know about you, but when I look at Joseph, I don't see Joseph struggling with those sorts of thoughts and those sorts of emotions. Uh, Joseph was just like you and I. Joseph didn't know the end of the story, yet somehow Joseph hung on and he walked through dark times, and he had many dark times. Think about it. Joseph was, first of all, thrown into a pit by his brothers, and while he's in this pit, his brothers are laying around or or sitting around discussing how they're going to murder him. And The next thing he knows, some Midianite traders are on their way to Egypt. And so what do his brothers do? They decide, let's sell him as a slave. And they sell him for 20 shekels of silver which was uh, the standard price for a slave in those days. Now, I've got two brothers. I wish I'd thought of that. Slavery, I could have made some pocket money, but, you know, that wasn't the case. And so his brothers sell him into slavery. And we know in the story that, that Joseph ends up being purchased by Potiphar. And Potiphar was the head of the king's royal guards. In other words, he was over the prisons for the king. And so Potiphar buys Joseph, and we're going to pick it up in chapter 39, verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph, so he prospered. And when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and entrusted to his care everything he owned. This is the only part in the story where we see that the Lord was with Joseph and gave Joseph success where? When he was a slave, in the midst of a trial and the tribulation. So it seems everything, you know, is is going okay. In the midst of being a slave, he's got favour, he's put in charge of everything, but things go horribly wrong. We pick it up in verse 6. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, and after a while, his master's wife... How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. And so what does Joseph, Joseph, what does Potiphar's wife do with this uh, rejection, with this scorn? It says, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. So what does she do? She makes up a story and tells his servants and eventually tells her husband Potiphar, that Joseph tried to essentially to rape her. And so when Potiphar comes home and he hears this version of the story, we're told that he burns with anger and he ends up having Joseph imprisoned anywhere between, we're not sure, two to 12 years he's placed into a jail. Now this was a he said, she said, Version of events. In the court of public opinion, Joseph was found guilty. Even though he'd acted honorably, even though he had done nothing wrong and was falsely accused of rape, he's still put in a prison. He's still suffering the consequences. Imagine, imagine yourself being accused of something you didn't do and being placed in jail not knowing how it would end. Now, again, the story doesn't unwrap what's going on in Joseph's thinking. We don't have insight into the thoughts he's having or the emotions he's going through. But it seems he has this underlying conviction And trust and steadfastness that somehow God is with him. And that is what I want to understand. How? How did Joseph have that? You know, we often hear about nature versus nurture. Did somehow Joseph have this steadfast commitment in the face of what he was walking through? Not just once, but multiple trials and tribulations. Did he somehow have it built into him that he was born with faith and steadfast, I trust God? Was it nurture that somehow through his family, through his circumstances, it was somehow produced? You know... We don't know the answer to that. But all I know is I'm someone, I've known Jesus now for for more years as a Christian than as a non-Christian. And I know in my life, I am so full of faith. I am so steadfast and committed to the Lord and love God with all my heart, mind, soul and strength. All in the morning, half an hour before I get out of bed. I love you, Lord. And then I get out of bed, I trip over the dog, there's no milk, and I tell you, gone are the I love yous and I'm committed and I'm steadfast. Instead, you know, I get to work, I've got a bad attitude and people like Tim and Brad and others have to put up with me. But I don't see that, again, with Joseph. I see a real stable Steadfast commitment. He's not, he doesn't seem fragile. He doesn't seem all over the place like I often feel. When we look at that word steadfast, it, it feels like an old-fashioned word. You don't hear that word much anymore. But the word steadfast means something that is fixed, it's solid, it's stable, it's holding fast, and it's immovable. Steadfast, immovable. In Greek, the word is hupomene. I had to look up how to pronounce that. Hupomene, which means the ability to bear up under trial. He is steadfast, the ability steadfast to bear up under trial. I love this quote by uh, David, David Mathis. He says, steadfastness isn't a virtue that shines in comfort. Instead, it's demonstrated in conflict, afflictions, and uncertainty. In other words, steadfastness is only demonstrated, it's only seen when we go through trials and tribulations and hard times that shake what can be shaken. It's only in those times do we really see if there's steadfastness within our faith, if there's substance and stability to our faith. It's in the trials and tribulations, not in the half an hour in the morning before I get out of bed. And God somehow uses difficulties and challenges challenges. and and tribulations and hard times in our life to somehow test us. Or another way of saying it, to sift us. And it reminds me of where on the night Jesus was betrayed, he turns to Peter and he says in Luke chapter 22, Simon, Simon. Behold, Satan has demanded to sift all of you like wheat. But I have prayed that your faith may not fail. And once you have turned back, you must strengthen your brothers. You know, in this passage, Satan is demanding to sift Simon. Now that word sift actually means to assault with furious and violent temptations and trials. We read that. Simon, Simon, Satan has demanded to sift you. It means to furiously and violently assault through hardships and difficulties. We often quote John sixteen thirty three: In this life, in this world, you will have trouble. But that word trouble, in my opinion, it's not a big enough word. That word trouble, in this world you will have trouble. That's how I feel when I can't get my decaffeinated pods for my Nespresso machine. I feel an inconvenience. I feel a frustration. I feel like, you know, I'm I'm, I'm being tested. But that is not what this passage is talking about. It's talking about a violent attack of the enemy through what can only be seen as a dark trial and tribulation, where we feel perhaps alone, where we feel that we're unable to cope, that we're literally hanging on by our fingernails, where everything seems lost, where we can't see the end. We don't know how it's going to turn out. And the thing with these sorts of trials and tribulations, when we don't know how things are going to end the other thing is, we don't know when they're going to come our way. We, we can't map out when these sorts of trials and tribulations come our way. In 2020, I stepped off the mission field after many years into the role here at Gateway. And the reason I did that is I had such a strong word of the Lord, a deep conviction, a promise of the Lord, the call of the Lord on my life, that for this season, I had something to to bring, to add to what is happening in Gateway, and particularly in our heart of the Great Commission, of reaching out across this nation and across the nation's. And I stepped into this role with a a negotiated understanding that I would take six months to transition out of my leadership role in Youth with a Mission with YWAM. I had 80 staff that I was working with all across the world. So I needed this time, these six months while working with YWAM, To continue working with the team, I had several conferences set up and a whole transition time with the leadership team to bring closure and to bring a a proper uh, ending to that season of my life and starting with Gateway. Well, I tell you, 2020, I started in the role. I was only here for one month and then the borders closed Um, restrictions came into place and the next thing I know we were all sent home from Gateway into lockdown. I'd only been on staff actually for two weeks because I'd gone for two weeks to Africa for leadership meetings with YWAM. So I'd actually only been on staff for a couple of weeks here at Gateway. That was the end to my mission career of 29 years. No closure, no goodbyes, nothing. Next thing I know, I'm trying to do everything over Zoom with my teams all over the world. Plus, I'm trying to work with the Gateway team. I don't really know many people. And I tell you, it, was, it has been, and it is, one of the loneliest, hardest periods of my life, the last three years. Because relationally, I, I had no closure. Relationally, I didn't have any building of new relationships. Talk about all by myself. I was in the basement of my house in Mingara, Mansfield, feeling just alone, thinking, God, how is this going to work? It has certainly not been one of the favourite periods of my life. It has been a time that has been really tough because life is tough. And this morning I want to invite Helen up just to share for a little while Helen, I bumped into her the other day and she bravely has agreed to to just come and share. Helen and her husband, Bernie, have been facing significant trials and tribulations these past years. So let's just welcome Helen to stage. She's very bravely come up. So Helen, can you just share a little bit what you've been
0: going through the past several years? I'm Sure. Well, about um, 40 years, 30 years ago, I actually was diagnosed with a brain tumour. Um, since then, I've had VPN shunts put in, but the last seven years, um, I've had nine brain surgeries, including changing of the shunts nine times. I've had uh, surgery to actually put a hole in the brain twice. Um, I've, in, I've had seizures, um, terrible medication, and terrible, terrible things that have happened with medication. Also in that time, uh, Bernie was diagnosed with prostate cancer. He had a really bad heart attack and ended up with three stents. So it's been challenging. And I've also been told as of um, the last brain surgery in August that this is actually the last shunt that I can possibly have, that after this it's just, um, unless God's got other plans, of course, um, it will be just treating yeah. ...just treating the symptoms until he takes me home.
1: Certainly not uh, something you could have predicted would have happened.
0: No, definitely not.
1: In your life. No. Helen, what's, what have you been learning
0: he through He's taught this? me a resilience. Total resilience. And a boldness. A boldness to pray for others. That includes praying for the people in, in theatre. Um, when I'm taken into surgery, um, I stop everything and pray... He's shown me that he, he's he's provided. He's given me the best neurosurgeons, the best neurologists. He's helped us financially um, with certain doctors that have bulk builders in this amazing country. Um, he's put the best people in my life that I could possibly have. I can actually say three times I have been in the pit, and three times Jesus bought the same person, a phone call, a meeting in a certain place, and well twice meetings. Um, ..where it wasn't expected, it was random. And that's actually a lady from our life group who just... ..she's an angel. Mm. Yeah. There was another time in hospital I was praying as I walked around. And uh, I heard a lady in a really small voice just calling out for sister, sister. So I walked around went back and I walked in. And although it was COVID, I wasn't allowed to go in her room, but I did. And she was really, really elderly and she just wanted a sip of water. So I gave her some water... And she asked me if I was the angel in the room because she could see an angel. And I said, well, no, I'm Helen. um, But I do believe in God. And do you? And she said, yes, I do. So we had a little prayer time. I walked out. She died an hour later. Mm. The nurse came in and said, the lady you were with, she just died. So we can pray. We all need to pray for others.
1: Well, Helen, thank you for sharing. I know uh, this wasn't easy. But will you join me as we just pray for Helen and for Bernie this morning? Lord, we, we hear Helen's story and we can't imagine what that would be like. And yet, Father, as we hear her testify, you have used her in ways perhaps she couldn't have dared hope for or imagine to bring your gospel to this elderly lady You have built in her a resilience, a steadfastness, even though she's walking literally through the valley of the shadow of death. Father, you are with her. And, Lord, we stand with her this morning and we declare your goodness over her. You are the God who holds her steadfast. You are the God that is able to heal in the name and in the blood of Jesus. You are the God That carries her. Father, we thank you for her. We thank you for her testimony of your goodness to her and Bernie. We pray continue to watch over them. Father, bless them. Meet them in their need. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you give Helen a round of applause? You know, I don't think in this room, I don't know, but there would be many of us that have a story like Helen's. Or there would be many of us that have a story like Joseph's. But I know in this room there are people who are going through very real trials and tribulations. People online that are going through very real trials and tribulations. And later this morning, there'll be an opportunity to respond. Even in the midst of what you're walking through, maybe it's a a marriage breakdown and it's a dark place, a financial uh, stretching that you could never have imagined you would face, unemployment, redundancy, conflicts, family problems, but they are very real challenges and temptations and trials where the enemy wants to rob, steal, and destroy. Yet through it all, as Helen testified, and as Joseph reminds us, through it all, God was building, building steadfastness and resilience And I won't quit spirit that says, God, I trust in you. In that verse, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to sift all of you. We're reminded, Jesus says, But I have prayed, I have prayed that your faith may not fail. And that once you have turned back, you would strengthen your brothers. You and I have an intercessor, King Jesus, who prays for us. King Jesus, who knows what it is to be human with a body that breaks, with a body that hurts. King Jesus, who was tried and tempted in the same ways you and I are, to give up, to just quit, to numb himself, He knows you and I are weak and frail and he sees us and he believes in us and he prays for us and he encourages us that I am with you in the midst of the trial and the temptation you're going through. Jesus knew that Peter would betray him. When he said this to Peter, he knew that coming up, In three times, Peter would deny Christ, even though Peter said, I am willing to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus knew how frail Peter's faith was, how fragile Peter was, like you and I when trials and temptations and hardships came his way. But the good news is where Satan demands to to assault us furiously, to sift us, to sift out the wheat, the good stuff, where Satan wants only the chaff to remain, the rubbish. Jesus is the exact opposite. Jesus sifts out the rubbish. How? Through trials and tribulations and temptations, he sifts it out so that what remains is the wheat. Is the good stuff that says God, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, that faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance in what we do not see. That somehow, God, through temptations and trials and difficulties, when we want to be tempted to say, I give up, it's too much, I can't do it, God, I can't take it, I don't see the end, I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. God says, I am using the very same circumstances to build faith, faith, a conviction in the things that are hoped for. He knows the end of the story. We don't. And we know ultimately one day King Jesus will return and there'll be no more death, no more pain, no more suffering, and he will rule and reign for all eternity. But in the meantime, hold on. Help is on its way. He is with us in the midst of what we're walking through. And yet when we go on a little bit further in that passage, in the heroes of the faith, with the Abrahams and the Josephs and the Sarahs and the Moseses, in verse 39, at the end of the heroes of the faith, it says, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them, none of them received what had been promised we don't always have the benefit of hindsight to see the end Like Job, when Job was walking through all he went through, like Joseph, like Helen, where we don't necessarily see the end, we see God building steadfastness that Job responds with, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. I don't know what you're walking through today, I'm sure many of us can't relate to a brain tumor or to being thrown into jail. But we know what it is to walk through trials and tribulations that are very real and dark to us. Things we could never have imagined would happen. We don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know. I I could have a stroke. I could have a heart attack. I could get hit by a bus. None of us know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. We know the one who is the victor. We know the one that is yet to come, that death could not hold him down. Amen. This morning, I want to encourage you with the words of Isaiah chapter 43. When you pass through the waters, not if you pass through the waters, literally we could say this for the people in New South Wales. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for He is the Lord my God. God is with you. God is with me. God is with Helen. God was with Joseph. God was with Job through all that they walked through. He was accomplishing His purposes to build steadfast resilience. Though he slay me, yet will I I trust in him. His goodness chases after us. He is our hope. And this morning, I believe God wants me to encourage you, those of you joining us online, he is with you. He is with you and he knows the end. And so I want to invite some of you, well, all of you that are going through difficult trials and tribulations this morning, I want to invite you, if that's you this morning, in a moment to stand. Because for some of you, the waters are rushing all around you and you feel like you're drowning. For some of you, The fire is burning, the flames are burning all around you and you feel alone. And there's no one answering your triple O. There's no one there. This morning, for some of you, you feel like you can't possibly hold on. You can't see where the help's going to come from. But I want to encourage you this morning, King Jesus sees you. You are not alone. He is a God of Joseph. He is a God of Helen. He is a God of me, and He is a God of you. And so if that's you this morning, I want to invite you, if you're going through a hardship, a marriage breakdown, a a job conflict, a family problem, whatever it is, a health challenge, I want to invite you this morning, would you stand if that's you this morning. And I want us as a family to gather around you and to pray for you for a moment this morning. So I just encourage you just to stand if you're brave enough, if you know you need prayer this morning, just stand where you are. Give you a moment to do that. It mightn't be a big thing. It mightn't be where you're going to jail. It may be. And I want those of us that are seated, just have a look around. And if someone is standing beside you, would you just gather around them? Just while we sing this song, Lord, I need you. Every hour I need you. Just move towards someone. If you see someone standing, let's move towards them. Here's some people standing. Let's be active, which means get up. Some of you, it requires us to stand. Let's not leave anyone standing on their own. And just pray for them, just pray for them as we sing. for those that are standing. You see what they're walking through. Father, you see what lays before them. Father, we ask this morning, would you be the rock that is so much higher? Would you be that firm foundation? Father, would you be the one that sustains and holds them? Would you be the one that resurrects hope in you, King Jesus, that you are the God that will Father, would you grow faith in our hearts this morning to dare to trust in you, to dare to believe in you, to declare that, God, we need you this morning. Every hour we need you this morning. resurrection. And we look forward to the end of this story. In Jesus' name. In Jesus'
0: name. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.